Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Always good when we can get uh, Howard Beck on the show. His 448 podcast is a must for all NBA fans. Howard, Jody Mack here. How you doing, bud? Doing all right, Jody Mack. How are you, sir? Good. Appreciate you coming on board. Um, read a couple of things that you've written since the championship came down. Uh, share with our listeners, and you know you talked about it on your podcast. How does this LeBron championship compare to the other that he's got? Uh, the Cleveland one, certainly different and special because he returns home and at least delivers one championship, three other appearances, but no other wins. But one is better than none and uh, will be celebrated in Cleveland forever. And the two that he got as a member of the Heatles down there in Miami. How does this one compare to those? Yeah, you know, there's definitely an eye of the beholder effect here. Everybody will kind of ascribe the importance to each of these differently, and I don't know how LeBron himself would rank them, although he seemed pretty enthused the night that the Lakers won it that this one was really, really meaningful. Now, does that put it ahead of 2016 in Cleveland? Does it put it ahead of his first in Miami? Like, I don't know how he would see it. I will say from my vantage point, I think this one is possibly this. I think it's number two of the four behind the first one and ahead of Cleveland. And that sounds insane to a lot of people I know, but I think of it this way. The first one was really important because he was at that time, I think eight years into his career, He's now in, that was his second season in Miami. Remember, they get beaten by Dallas the first time, right. and everybody is, is just piling on. You went down there, you created a super team, and you couldn't beat Dirk and a bunch of old guys. And winning that first one to get that off of his back to get the vindication, you know, he was already playing his, 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 his abilities and his production had already placed him in the argument for one of the best of all time. But if you're going to take on Jordan or anybody, even up into Jordan, you know, the Magic, Kobe, anybody, you've got to win. And he didn't have it. So winning that first one was such a relief for him. And, of course, it sets up all of the success to come after that. And I just think he made a, much, a bunch of personal and professional leaps that made that possible in 2012. So that's number one. This most recent one is number two to me. And the reason is he – he has his, his three championships, and he could have walked away from the game and already been secured as one of the best of all time in the argument with Jordan as GOAT, all that stuff. But it would mean nothing to Laker fans in particular in that franchise if you go there and you don't win one. 
like going to deciding to join for your what's presumably the last stage of his career to go to the most storied franchise in the league, one of the most storied franchises in all of sports, and play a place where championships are the only thing. They don't hang division banners at Staples Center. They don't care about anything except championships. And you're following in the footsteps of Magic and Kareem and Kobe and Shaq and Jerry West. You to win that one is is just it's it's incredibly weighty. It 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 matters a lot because of where he chose to go because of the jersey he was wearing. Kobe's death this year enhances it on some level as well. Ending their seven-year drought, their seven-year player playoff drought, not to mention their ten-year championship drought, which by a lot of team standards, ten years is 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 nothing. <laughs> a lot of teams would kill for a, just a ten-year drought between championships. But I just think that, and 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 on top of it, of course, he did this does this amid a pandemic, amid the the social unrest that our country is going through, and while being a leader in that area as well, doing it in the bubble, which had all of its own incredible challenges. I just I think that everything about this championship to me puts it right up there. It, it's it's to me no worse than second among his four. Very interesting way to look at it. Howard Beck, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, I am an unabashed LeBron fan. Anyone who's listened to me know that's the case. But then again, I was an unabashed Jordan fan. I truly appreciate greatness, and I think both of them have shown uber greatness over the course of their careers. However, uh, a little disappointed. Uh, I'm disappointed by one thing LeBron said, and a little misunderstanding of something that he said after he won the championship the other night. Uh, the disappointing one was his coming out so aggressively about those who didn't vote him for the MVP. That how could he only get uh, 16, 18, whatever the number was, uh, first place votes, and Giannis could get 80. Uh, that he just thought that that was uh, ridiculous and uh, was uh, mad at it. I don't get that. You get a vote. You vote. Um, do you have an MVP ballot, by the way? Uh, I did. Yes. Yes. Did you think, well, you know, maybe I need to vote for LeBron because so many people are going to vote for Giannis. I need to balance the scale. No, you got to vote. You vote what you think. And if that many yeah. thought Giannis deserved it, that many thought Giannis deserved it. End of conversation. I thought LeBron's uh, stance was silly and egomaniacal and the like, and I called him on the carpet for it. But that's now water under the bridge because he went off on this tangent after he received the uh, MVP trophy about getting the respect for his teammates and himself. Does LeBron James really believe he's not respected? I don't think he believes he's not respected. I think he feels that he doesn't get the universal respect that I would agree he actually does deserve, right? There are some, you know, I will not go into names, but there are people out there who make an entire living off of doing nothing but trying to denigrate everything that he accomplishes. Um, There are maybe some people around the league still. Maybe that was about the things that when Kyrie said, I'm finally going to play with somebody who can make a shot as well as I can or be as great a clutch shooter as I am or something. Like Maybe it was about that. Who knows? I, I don't know why LeBron said what he said. He was kind of on a roll. Remember, he was saying... You know, Rob Polinka needs to get his respect, and Frank Vogel needs to get his respect, and this franchise, blah, blah, and I need to get my, my damn respect, too. Um, he had a built to- toward it, and I don't know if he intended to say it or if it was just like once he was on a roll, he just decided to throw okay. himself in there, too. But, I mean, listen, let's, uh, let's be clear. I mean, this is a guy with four finals MVPs, four regular season MVPs, 
Um, I think tied with Kareem for most all NBA selections ever, probably tied with Kareem for most all-star selections ever too. It, it, there's, there's no lack of respect for, or, or lack of accolades for him, but yes, there are people out there who weirdly do want to either denigrate or try to punch holes in, in his accomplishments. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me, but they're out there. I don't get why he needs to respond to them. I don't think he should. I, I certainly don't think it's necessary or, or helps him. But listen, in the moment, you just want a championship and you want to stick it to anybody who's still kind of trying to take shots at you, okay, fine. I mean, I, you know, I, I, it doesn't bother me, but I was struck that it seemed a little odd and I wasn't exactly sure where that was coming from or who maybe that was aimed at. And everything LeBron these days, this is my take, um, right, wrong, or indifferent, is in comparison to Michael Jordan. And, oh, by the way, you and I are old enough and following this long enough to be able to acknowledge and say flat out, oh, there were Michael Jordan haters, too. You and I are also both, uh, or was one time, still are, New Yorkers. Nick fans hated Michael Jordan, downplayed Michael Jordan, somehow tried to compromise Michael Jordan because he was sticking it to the Knicks year in and year out. So LeBron isn't uh, out there in the hinterlands by himself that, my God, how can anybody say anything bad when I'm as good as I am? Well, they did the same thing to Jordan, and I think he should take it as a compliment that when you achieve such greatness, you are going to get those who are going to feel the obligation to try and knock you off the pedestal. The difference, Jody Mack, is this. Michael Jordan played in a pre-internet era, pre-social media. That's true, too. Also, for that matter... Pre-24-7 debate shows on ESPN, pre-birth of talk ra- sports talk radio. Like, talk, sports talk radio might have been around, but it was... In oh, a, it, it was. Like, it surely was. I was it, part it, of so it. There, there, right. So there just wasn't as much noise. Like, it was there, but not the volume, not the... Not the it's it, it, it's it's everywhere now, Every, and everybody's gotten everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a place to broadcast it, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's on radio, whether it's on TV. There's just so much more noise now, and so whatever you know, shots people might have been taking at Jordan, some you know, columnist for like you know the I don't know Minneapolis Gazette or something. If, if there was somebody who was going to take shots at him. He, Somebody would have to relay it to him. He's not going to go see the newspaper everywhere. There's no, there's no way for that to be conveyed to him. It's not immediate. It's not as, as, as noteworthy. Um, and I also don't think that the criticism was as uh, just as pointed back then. I think that Michael, for most of the country, walked on water, and especially once he started winning championships. Yes, there were plenty of shots at him, as there are for any huge star who's got incredible talent and they fail. Michael, you know, didn't win his first championship till he was what, 28, 29, somewhere in there, 27. He so he had all these years where it was like he's all about himself. He's just a guy with big stats. He can't win the big like he had to bear that burden too. Like yeah. almost everybody has gone through that at some point in this league. Um but once he started winning championships, he walked on water for most of the country unless you were a Knicks fan or maybe you know, a Pistons fan. Some you know, if you if you were the one whose team Pacers, if you were a team who was constantly getting smacked down by Michael and the Bulls, then, yeah, you resented him. But I think there was still a grudging respect. Fair enough. And you're right about the uh, whole social media aspect of it. It has been raised to a level that Michael Jordan never dealt with. We're talking to Howard Beck here on CBS Sports Radio. Um, every offseason, 
the NBA, like baseball, like football, like the NHL, like uh, most pro sports, are copycat leagues. When somebody does something, uh, some other team wants to be able to abstract something they did correctly and then put it in place for their team that they can improve and get better and take championship runs for themselves. Who is going to have more of an effect this offseason? The Lakers, LeBron winning another two studs to be able to win a championship, but getting the right pieces all around him. Or the Heat, who added a big dog like Jimmy Butler, but also did it via the draft and guys who can just flat out shoot threes and the like. I get the feeling that the Heat might actually get more heat in the offseason for being a team that other teams are going to try and take a book, a page out of their book than the Lakers. Agree or disagree? Um, the Heat have a a more um, transferable model to follow, if you can call it that. I mean, everybody gets to the finals on their own path. There, there's not there, – I mean, there's probably a handful of different models that you could identify. What the Heat did was, you know, first made a bunch of mistakes with, you know, Deion Waiters and Hassan Whiteside and Tyler Johnson. Like, they, they – they they threw out a bunch of contracts around. They made some acquisitions that were questionable. They did what they thought they had to do just to kind of stay afloat. But along the way, they did a phenomenal job of uh, identifying and developing talent. So yes, Bam Adebayo just you know blows up this season, and three rookies you know and Hero and Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn play huge roles this season. But they 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 set the foundation and and were respectable enough that a guy like Jimmy Butler can look at them, look at their track record and their past success and the talent they have and the character of the guys they have and say, that's where I want to plant my flag. If you can, as a franchise, replicate that, okay, great. But not everybody's got the, um, the reputation that the Miami Heat do of, of having a great team culture, of having a Pat Riley who sets the tone for everything. And not everybody's got you know, the championships that are already in, in their trophy cabinet. Not to mention, of course, Miami's a desirable place. So another team tries to do the same thing, but it's, you know, Memphis or somewhere else that is not a a destination market, it's not going to work as well. You know, there there are advantages that some markets have over others in terms of free agency. So I I don't know that it's something you can replicate. And then obviously what the Lakers did, look, LeBron went there because of the Lakers. And then Anthony Davis forced his way there because of the Lakers and because LeBron was there. So I just – I don't know that that either of these are are um, replicatable, replicable. Right. Absolutely um, right. But so that, that's why teams have to build in, in in what makes sense for them on their own timeline in their own market. Then um, there's a number of ways to do it. Um, so on a uh, sports wagering website uh, this week, that at least one outlet, not every outlet has it, but one did. The Nets as a slight favorite to come out of the uh, East this year and be in the NBA final next season. No Kevin Durant will be playing, or at least is scheduled to. No Kyrie Irving will be healthy, whether it works or not yet to be seen. Can you make the Nets the favorite in the East without having seen Kyrie and KD play together and the other pieces the Nets have? Would you put them at the top as of right now? No, I wouldn't. Um, I'm I'm one who goes into every season when we're trying to, to do all this prognosticating, forecasting, all this stuff. I'm one who looks at it and says, I, I'm, I'm basing my 
initial impressions or hunches on what I on the on the things that I can know, or, or at least the most things that I can know. And I'm going to downgrade teams where I keep having to throw in caveats and asterisks. So the Nets on paper, two of the top ten talents in the in the league when healthy. I don't know where you want to play. You know, KD top you know five for sure when he's healthy. Kyrie top I don't know fifteen wherever. Two those two guys plus some really good players around them, Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie. You assume they re-signed Joe Harris, Jared Allen. It's a nice team. Um, and I think we all believe that Steve Nash will be a great coach. But then there's this series of, of caveats. We haven't seen Kevin Durant play. By the time that the season starts, he'll, it'll have been at least 18 months, if not more, between games. And he's coming back from one of the toughest injuries there is to come back from in, in the Achilles. And we just don't know. We have no idea what he's going to look like. And, and he's never played with Kyrie, and Kyrie's got his own injury history. And Steve Nash is a rookie head coach. So there's just, you know, like I love what the potential is. Could they come out of the East? Sure, of course. Should they be favorites with that many caveats? No. I, I think you give the benefit of the doubt to the defending Eastern Conference champions, so Miami should come first. I think Boston is right there based on their talent and the internal growth you expect from, you know, Tatum and, and Brown and everybody else. Toronto, it depends on what they decide to do this offseason. They're, they're kind of a hard one to forecast. Um, does Doc Rivers unlock the Sixers finally? Is, is he the key to, to getting the Embiid-Simmons thing going? Because that's a team that deserves some consideration in this conversation, as do the Nets. So, yes, they're in the conversation. But making them the favorites, you know, that, I mean, that's, that's what the sports books do, right? If they can get enough people to bet on it, that's all they care about. Exactly. Uh, just a couple more quickies, Howard, again. Thank you very much, Howard Beck, for hopping on with us here on CBS Sports Radio. The Rockets and Daryl Morey decided to go their separate ways this week. Where does Morey land? Is he in high demand? Uh, how does that shake itself out over the next couple of months? I said this to somebody the other day. Um, one, Daryl Morey is a top five GM in, in this league. Two, um, I wouldn't say that it applies to all 25, but 15 to 20 franchises, if I were running them and I could get Daryl Morey, I'd fire my guy tomorrow to hire him. Um, there are a bunch of franchises I would throw my guy overboard so fast if I could get Daryl. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think Daryl Morey uh, resigned with good money still coming to him and multiple years left on his deal because he needs a break. And so I think he's going to take some time. I think his, his kids uh, are college age and they're taking a gap year during COVID. I think he's going to spend some family time. The GM job is like, especially in this era is just grueling. And, you know, it's, he's been at it for 13 years. He was one of the, I don't know, six longest tenured GMs in the league at the time he resigned. So he'll take some time off. Um, Daryl's a guy who obviously has a lot of interests beyond basketball, really bright guy could do a number of things. Um, he's even written a musical that was performed. So like, I, I don't know what's next for him. I, I, he's such a competitive person. I would assume and bet that he'll be back in the NBA at some point. But I think it's, you know, it, it's going to be at least a year down the line. Understood. Uh, and last thing. No, you lost a contemporary. Uh, I did not know the man, but I surely knew of him. 
uh, one of the most tenured and storied NBA reporters, Sid Hartman, who spent his entire basketball writing career in Minnesota, passed today at the ripe old age of 100. Uh, did you pal out with Sid on press row? Did you know him at all? I'm sure you're uh, on top of all of his work. He's been doing it at a high level for so long. Um, how much did you or didn't you know Sid Hartman? Yeah, didn't really know him. Um, met him. I remember meeting him early in my NBA beat writing career during my Laker beat days in like the the late '90s, early 2000s. You know, the Lakers would play you know the Timberwolves obviously four times a year, and so two times in Minnesota. And so he was he's a fixture in every press room in the Minneapolis St. Paul area. Uh, and he didn't do just NBA. He did a lot of NBA, but not just NBA. He was a, a columnist in his later years, so he was doing a little of everything. And he was just you know he's He's one of these guys, it's of another era, right, where it used to be that there would be a few sports columnists in each town, newspaper guys, who just kind of, they they defined that city. They were the voice of sports in that city. And that was Sid Hartman in, in Minneapolis, and, and, and you could say Minneapolis-St. Paul. Like, that was, you know, he was as, as identifiable and as, as legendary in that market as, as anybody in any market. Um, and so, you know, well-respected, um, everybody knew him and um beloved in minneapolis uh and, and yeah, as i say like i never hung out never got to know him that well it was kind of the thing where you know you meet people passing through and you, you get to know who who the the living legends are but um yeah uh 100 years old i mean that was a heck of a run he was writing i think right up until the end so really amazing that is amazing i saw someone tweet out which i thought was great uh sid covered both carl anthony towns and George Mikan, uh, that spans <laughs> some serious generations in between. Uh, that figured you absolutely mind blowing, right? Uh, just unbelievable. But figured, no, I'm, uh, just wanted to give you a chance to uh, give a couple minute tribute to Sid Hardman, as did I. Howard Beck, always a pleasure, my friend. We will certainly stay in touch during the off season because we don't even know what the off season is going to be. When the season's going to start, if they're going to be playing home games. We know the draft is tentatively scheduled for a certain date, but uh, I'm sure things will start to fall into place. We'll get you back on because if I'm talking NBA, I want to be talking it with you. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Absolutely, Jody. Thank you. That is Howard Beck, uh, NBA insider. Uh, His full 48 podcast is a must for NBA listeners, and you catch him contributes on SiriusXM's NBA radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.